Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you. It's good to worship together on this this, uh, bright and sunny Sunday together. Today we continue our series for the season of Epiphany where we're uh, exploring the ways that God and Christ is revealed to us. Today we're picking up right where we left off in in the first chapter of Mark's gospel as we kind of round out the end of uh, the first chapter of Mark. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 29th verse. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed by demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, I love being a parent, being a parent of young kids. And uh, I love talking with with my kids and and hearing about their days. Although sometimes it can be hard to follow them when they're really, really excited about something. So when a kid's excited about something and tells you about it, normal sentence structuring in, in human speech goes out the window. For instance, taking a breath between sentences or phrases or thoughts goes out the window. And it goes something like this. I'm sure most parents can relate to this. Dad, today we went to the park, then we went home, then we had lunch, and then after nap we had, went to the pool, then we had ice cream, and now we're coloring. And then, and then, and then, and then. There's no uh, stop, there's no breath, there's no pause. There's excitement, but there's an urgency in their excitement. As the time is running out, and they got to tell me as much as they possibly can in as little time as they can, it's an urgent excitement. Friends, this is exactly how I feel every time I read the Gospel of Mark. See, Mark is writing his gospel in Koine Greek, but he is a a person whose, whose native language is Hebrew or Aramaic. So he's writing in a second language, and so he's working with a pretty limited vocabulary to begin with. But he's also proclaiming this message of Jesus, this good news that is at once exciting but also urgent, imminent. The kingdom of God is near. And so Mark finds his magic word to convey this immediately. The word in Greek is euthos. And our English Bibles often try, they at least think they're doing us a favor by giving us some different translations of this word. 
Sometimes it's immediately, or in the case of our text today, it's as soon as or after that. Mark's Jesus is one that is on the move. It's immediate, it's urgent, but it's also exciting. Jesus teaches here, then immediately after that, he heals this person. Then immediately after that, he goes to this place. And then, and then, and then. It's a Jesus who is on the move. And that's certainly the case in the first chapter of Mark's gospel where we've kind of been walking through the last few weeks and we come to a close to it today. Our reading today begins with as soon as. There's that word immediately, euthos. As soon as they left the synagogue where we were last week, they go to Simon Peter's home. And as soon as they enter Simon Peter's home, they learn that that Simon's mother-in-law is sick. She has a fever. Jesus will heal her, but it's important to know healings in the Bible are never just physical healings. There's always more going on. Particularly, anytime you see a healing in the gospel, something about God's reign and God's coming kingdom is being revealed. Now, a person who was sick in this time, like Simon's mother-in-law, wasn't just suffering from the physical illness or disease. If you were sick in this time, it also meant you were isolated. You were homebound. You were kept out from the community for fear of, of spreading, but also purity. So Simon's mother-in-law was not just sick, but she was also isolated. She was homebound. And we come to learn later that her illness is keeping her from her vocation, from her ministry of service and hospitality. She doesn't just need physical healing. She needs restoration. She needs a a sense of wholeness, of, uh, of being brought back into her life and her community and her vocation service and hospitality. As soon as Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, word gets out. And before long, as Mark tells us, the whole town is gathered at the door. It's a pretty comical image to, to think about a whole town gathering at the door of one of these very, very small homes in first century Judea. But just showing the magnitude of need. All of these folks coming there are suffering from something. Whether it's an illness or an ailment or a demon, they're all suffering from something. And like Simon's mother-in-law, whatever they're suffering from is keeping them from one another. It's keeping them from living a life of fullness and joy. All these folks, the whole town gathered at the door, all of these folks are suffering from something. Friends, in our world today, we know that so many folks are suffering from so many different things. Beyond disease and illness, we know that there are countless folks suffering from trauma, from grief, from mental health issues, from trauma, all sorts of things, addiction, all sorts of things. The image of the whole town gathered at the door of a home to be healed by Jesus is a fitting one for us to wrestle with a little bit today. It's a reminder that we never fully know what someone is going through in our lives. 
And it's no wonder that people who work in the helping fields of medicine or mental health or education beyond others are overwhelmed because the need is so high. The whole town gathered at the door seeking healing, seeking wholeness, seeking restoration. It's also a good reminder, friends, that if you're suffering from one of these things, that you're not alone. And that it's okay to not be okay. And more importantly, that it's okay to seek out help, to seek out healing from a counselor or a medical provider or a friend or a pastor or whoever you can seek healing and comfort and wholeness from. In our text, Mark tells us that Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. But how he heals her is very telling and very powerful when you pause and think about it for a moment. Mark tells us that as he heals her, he extends a hand and lifts her up, raises her up. That word in Greek there for raise or lift up is agero. And it's the very same word that the angels will use at the empty tomb, telling the, wo- the women at the empty tomb that Jesus is not here. He has been raised, lifted up. And as, they lift, as Jesus lifts up this woman and heals her, Mark tells us that she began to serve them. That word Mark uses for serve is diakone. If that word sounds oddly familiar to some of you, I sure hope it does, because it's the very same word from which we get our office of deacon. Simon's mother-in-law is the first ordained deacon in the church of Jesus Christ. As she's lifted up, as she's healed, she is restored not only to her community, but to her vocation of service and hospitality to others. And after this, as the word gets out and the whole crowd, the whole town gathers at the door, Jesus heals all of these folks too. Not just healing them of whatever physical thing is is ailing them, but also restoring them to community and to vocation. It's a reminder that God in Christ is revealed to us in healing. That God comes to each of us in our brokenness meets us in our brokenness, in our fears, in our doubts, in our worries, in our suffering. This is the very moment God in Christ meets us and heals us and restores us to to God and to one another in community and service. Friends, as God meets us in these moments, may we too rise up and join in service to bring this kind of healing, this kind of hope to a broken and hurting world. Now, after Jesus does all this healing, heals Simon's mother-in-law, heals the whole town gathered at the door, he's pretty exhausted, right? You can just imagine that. People who work in the helping fields can can get just a a glimpse of that, know, know a bit of what that's like. Jesus is overwhelmed and tired by the weight of all of this suffering and all this work. So Mark tells us that he goes off to pray. And as he prays, he receives this, this 
peace and restoration himself, as well as a, a kind of clarity of his vision and mission. And so we, when he returns, he says, it's time to move on, friends, and continue to proclaim this message throughout Galilee. God in Christ isn't just revealed in these big divine moments of healing and restoration. God in Christ is also revealed in this very human moment of prayer. Both Jesus praying as well as us praying. When we pray, when we draw near to God in conversation and relationship, we too receive that kind of peace, that kind of restoration, that also that clarity of vision. In our overwhelmed and overworked world, this is a great reminder, friends, that it is okay. No, it's not just okay, it is necessary to take a break, to pause, to breathe, and draw in prayer, seeking relationship, seeking fellowship with God, as well as restoration and clarity of one's vocation and, and purpose. Now, there's no one right way to do this. How one draws near to God, how one takes a breath and a break and a prayer, um, it, there's no one right way to do it, just simply important that we do it. When I was in seminary, I spent one summer doing what is called clinical pastoral education. Which, uh, in which I basically served as a chaplain intern in a hospital. I met so many wonderful folks and, and have just uh, eternal respect and love for everyone in the medical field for the kind of tireless service and care and compassion that they provide for their communities. I remember one night when I was the chaplain on call. It was a pretty rough night in the ICU. Every single bed was filled seemed like there was a code every 30 minutes or so. And there were even a couple of, of deaths that were really difficult. When there was finally a pause, when there was finally a little break, I remember talking to a few of the nurses. And I asked them, how do they do it? How do you do this day in and day out? How do you, you keep going in such a tiring job physically, emotionally, spiritually? How do you keep going? They each had very wonderful and profound answers for what worked for them. But what I remembered was the response from a nurse named Amy. She told me earlier in her career she wanted to find a ritual of sorts that would help her separate her being in the hospital with her returning home. And so after doing her final patient charting work, she would wash her hands before leaving and finally clocking out. She decided to turn this into a sort of ritual of, of kind of moving from, from work life to home life. And while it started as that, she said over time it became more and more of a spiritual practice. She said as she washes her hands, she prays. She prays for all the patients who she worked with that shift. For whatever they need, whatever they're suffering from, that they might find healing and peace. She prays for any patients who died as well as their families that they too might receive peace and love from God. 
And finally, she prays for the nurse that's taking on her patients on the, the next shift. When she said amen and turned off the water and dried her hands, she feels each time this, this uh, experience of peace and tranquility and, and, and love and, and also a, a sort of clarity of purpose. Friends, God meets each of us in our brokenness, heals us, restores us, redeems us back to one another in our community. As we rise up to serve, to bring Christ's healing and hope and peace to a broken and hurting world, may we also find times when we can pause, when we can breathe, when we can pray, trusting that God will meet us in these moments to bring restoration and clarity 